Hey, this is Jeremy Martin from Geico Honda, and you're listening to the Inside Line podcast on Vital MX. Hey, this is Guy B from Vital MX. One of the pleasant surprises at this year's Monster Energy Cup was Jeremy Martin's return to racing. If you recall, Jeremy suffered a seriously broken back at Muddy Creek during the summer of 2018 after tangling with another rider in midair. Even worse, he later suffered a series of infections as well as complications from the unsuccessful initial surgery. This was obviously a major hiccup in not only his career plans, but life in general. We caught up with him before he lined up at the Paris Supercross to talk about the time off, how he's been doing since getting cleared to ride, and a whole lot more. But before we dive in, we have to thank some sponsors. Since 1968, Thor MX has elevated motocross racewear innovation to new heights. Designed and fabricated to the standards set by a long list of Supercross and motocross champions, the Thor 2020 collection features all-new performance-driven racewear, boots, helmets, and more. Go to thormx.com or visit your local Parts Unlimited dealer to learn more. Maxxis Tires is proud to introduce the all-new Maxxcross MXST, a premier motocross tire tested and developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath. Available now at your local dealer. From tubes and tires to MX jerseys, gear bags, hard parts, and a huge selection of dirt bikes, Chaparral Motorsports has everything you need to keep you roosting the tracker trail. Check out chapmoto.com. That's chapmoto.com. Man, it was sure good to see you back in action at the Monster Energy Cup. Yeah, thanks. It was really nice to be back at the Monster Energy Cup. It was like a very last-minute decision. It was the Sunday before I was eating Ben & Jerry's ice cream. It was like my cheat day. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was pounding down some uh, cookie dough cookie dough and uh it just was like you know what i feel good enough to want to go racing i texted the team manager and he's like dude are you drunk <laughs> and uh i was like no i'm just sitting here you know with john tomac and yeah we want to want to give it a go and next thing you know the next day he called jeff and ziggy and um they're like hey we're going racing how long have you been back on the bike at that point so i saw the doctor august 18th I started August 19th. I rode the very next day, and I could barely do 35 minutes. So I've been I've been going since basically August 19th, and I look at it. I think it's been about 20. I thought I looked at my journal that I do with. I write all my stuff down in. I think it's been about 24 weeks of of physical training to get to this point. Yeah, I was wondering how long you'd been back at it. Yeah. So. Man, when you got there, saw the track. Did you go, uh-oh, maybe I bit off a little more than I should have? Oh, 1,000%. Like, I showed up at Monster Cup, and I was like, damn. Like, this is uh, it's a little bit more rowdy than I was expecting. But, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't just by being out there and whatever I'd already won, right? Like, to me, it's about I'm trying to build myself back up and, and get back to the form that I once had, which was winning and, and winning pretty effortlessly before I kind of got hurt so you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to grow and and that's essentially what Monster Cup was and then that's why we're here in Paris too. Man you nailed some good starts and hung out near the front for a bit you know I think you ended up with a pair of six and then 14th in the last main were you happy with the result? Uh I wasn't I wouldn't say I'm like I was super happy but it was like you know, I got, I did get a whole shot in the second main, and I left the left the inside open in the second turn for freeze, and I was just like, hey, well, I'm on vacation, take it, you know. But just little stuff like that. I haven't been racing, so I I forget like just how quick things happen. But I was definitely pretty satisfied with the with running up front. It wasn't like 
um, I got a start and I was immediately going back. I mean, I, I did get shuffled back a little bit, but I was also, I, I, I'd safe to say I was holding my own a little bit for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between being good on a track yeah. or practice track back at home and then race sharp. Yeah, yeah, and I think I would, probably would have got six overall had I not. Mookie and I um, tangled together in that the first lap in that last main. He slid out in a very flat turn, and I, and I, I dive-bombed inside to try to get him. And the way he slid out, it just so happened to, to unfortunately cause me to go down. And, and then, yeah, I got 14th. Yep. Man, that, that start, though... You had to be looking around going, where is everybody? Yeah, for sure. I was a little bit, honestly, I was more nervous for the second start because we were going backwards. And that turn was, it was really janky. Like there was not much of a one. It was a very tight 180. It wasn't very much fun. And I got out of the gate and I was like, damn, like <laughs> we're in a good situation here. And I was able to basically control it. I think one of the other highlights that I saw out there was, I think second main, you and Vince were dicing, but kind of late in that, that main Tim Geiser zapped both of you guys in a corner. Yeah, I got freezed by Vince there on that last lap. So we were battling. I actually thought we were, we were battling for third. And then um, Eli got us doing the Joker. So I didn't even see him. But, um, yeah, Vince Vince came out of the Joker the last lap because I'd taken it the lap before. And I saw his eyes, and his eyes were just, like, the size of an eight ball. Like, you know. And uh, he brake checked me pretty good. And I knew Geyser was on my butt, you know. And Geyser got us both. And I was just like, damn it, damn it, Vince. <laughs> and one corner. Too. Yeah, like, dude, we got a two-for-one special. <laughs> I saw on social media afterwards where – you know, you mentioned that it was a stock bike. Your idea of stock and maybe the public's idea is a little different, but man, it's what you're riding and racing here at Monster Cups, not exactly one of the HRC Hondas that, that you've raced before. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, I, I, I guess I got to be a little bit more careful on how I word stuff these days because the, the Instagrammers and the keyboard warriors get pretty, um, they take stuff pretty serious. So to me, I mean, you guys got to think like back in 2017, I rode a full HRC factory Honda tie bolt kit everything everything is is aftermarket right like i mean it's the best of the best of what you can get and then uh you know i've rode for a, a factory geico honda 250 for a while now you know and and everything's done on that thing so to me my version of stock is definitely different suspension and some stuff that is safe for supercross but yeah i mean i guess for future reference I guess I have to make a mental note and say it's a little bit, uh, it's stock, but not quite stock. Stockish. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what did you have on there? Suspension, pipe? Yeah, so I just like had a, a Yosh pipe, just what you buy through the, you know, through the website or just at a, at a store, and then foot pegs and, and suspension and obviously clamps, and that's it. Yeah, stuff to make it fit for you. And yeah, so I taste. legitimately have, you know, I mean, I'm a short dude, so you kind of have to tailor a little bit. Like, I mean, I run the lowest profile bar and the lowest bar mounts you can possibly get. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they had to tailor it for me. Maybe we could figure out how to mount, get some bar mounts that mount under the clamps, and maybe that would work. Yeah, maybe that would be better. <laughs> so let's go back to Muddy Creek. And I remember coming into that race, you were talking about you were pretty confident on where you were at things were looking okay and and you had pretty good hopes for the rest of the season yeah for sure coming into muddy creek in 2018 i mean i basically was i i won at thunder valley i went 2-1 and then at high point i was going to go 2-1 
So AP and I would have been tied in points leaving there. So I would have had two overalls. And was it in the first four rounds? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was – and I wasn't – I just found a new setting on the fork and – um you know that was a new bike so i was just starting to get it figured out and i felt like i was really coming to hit my stride and i won moto one at muddy creek and then uh unfortunately for moto two that's that's when uh it all it all fell apart talk about the crash and what you remember from there yeah so i remember we put in a new clutch for the second moto just because i was a little bit worried about it and it jumped a little bit out of the line so i wheelied so i didn't get the best to start but i was really aggressive and I made a couple quick passes and I got up into the top 10 pretty good. And I just remember I slid out exiting that turn and then I was dead focused on the far left side of the track and I came up that face and I was, and then as soon as halfway up the takeoff, I'm like, I'm effed. Like, to be honest, you know, like I didn't even, he came, he was coming over and I knew that we were going to hit and I just said, well, hopefully we'll see what happens. You know, I was like, man, I'm probably dead, you know, and I felt a long ways and yeah, it was, uh, not good. Yeah, air brakes don't work too well. No, no. I mean, I, I didn't know whether or not to just bail and jump or to stick on it. So I, I stayed on as long as I could, but rest was history. Did he land on you? I, I did. It was in a section where I didn't see the crash. Yeah, we hit midair. And then when we landed, how I landed, I got pitched off. So, I, I mean, I, got, I probably flew another 25, 30 feet past landing, like down into a ditch. And... Um, yeah, I just knew. I mean, I got knocked out, but I mean, I, I still remember everything, you know, and, and how it went down. When you came to, did you know what was up? Yeah, I knew it was bad. Like, I knew I couldn't move, and it was such a gnarly wreck that I was just like, yeah, we gotta, we're just gonna hang tight here. And then um, I tried to feel my back because I knew something wasn't right, and then, yeah. Being in Tennessee, it's not like you get your pick of the usual surgeons that you know and trust. How did that all go? Yeah, it wasn't good. I mean, I got rushed to the emergency room, and then they went in for, you know, CT scans, MRIs, and obviously I was in severe amounts of pain, so I was like, dude, give me whatever you got and give it to me hard, you know? Um, and it still it didn't take the edge off really at all. So, And then, yeah, went into emergency surgery, and I had just had to do what I had to do. I was like, get it done, get home to Minnesota. So I took a medical jet home. You know, unfortunately broke out with a gnarly infection there. So I had two infections that they diagnosed me with when I flew back to Minnesota. And then the hospital in Tennessee couldn't figure out why I was getting sweats. They thought I had pneumonia. So they just really didn't know what they were doing. And, and medically, from their standpoint, I did everything that was, they did their job. This kid comes in, he's 25 years of age. You know, we stabilized him, he's gonna be able to walk. That's a win. But not for an athlete. Yes, exactly. So from an athletic standpoint, it, it wasn't ever done right. So that's when, and then I went to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, which is supposed to be the number one hospital in the world. And, you know, they, they cleaned up the infection and everything. And they said, come back in six months. We'll, we'll open you back up in a year on the anniversary of your injury. And then we'll take the rods out and then you can get back to riding. And I'm like, guys, like, this is my livelihood. I need, I need to be checked out now. So I, I saw three different doctors in six months. So I went to Vail, and then that's when I finally um, got worked on. They, they went in, and they did all the stuff, and, like, you haven't healed one bit. And I knew something was not right because 
I'd, I'd start at the beginning of the day pretty good, but I'd be like just from walking. If I do two, three miles of walking, I did a lot of walking, I'd be in like a lot of back pain at the end of the day, like big time. And I just knew that wasn't right. And uh, sure enough, nothing had healed. You get that news, man, you've got to be stressed like crazy. Absolutely. I had no contract. I was on my last year, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm 25. I mean, I was, you know, 20, or sorry, 26 at the time. And, you know, I mean, that's, this is my livelihood. You know, I've done good, but I haven't done good enough to be able to, to retire and, and to live a good, good rest of my life, you know. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking at that point? And, and what was the plan then? The plan was just like, you have no choice. You have to get it done. You know, and it was like, how do you tell the team, right? And uh, I called and they were really supportive and they're like, you just got to get it done. And, and I did and th- can't, can't look back. That had to make you feel pretty good, though, that they had that kind of support for you. Yeah, like they told me, like, we're going to get you 100 percent in Vail. They're like, we're going to do it right. We're going to we're going to make you back to where you can be competitive and you can win races again. And and they, they actually had a plan. Like I always felt like before with the doctors, it was like, you know, hey, come back in two weeks or call us if, if something comes up. Right. So with with Vail, it was like a, it was like a plan like it was like holy crap this is this is already night the best thing i've had yet so they actually opened me back up and they swabbed me for cultures just to see like if i had an infection from the previous one and i had a different infection that they missed so i had three total infections that so i had a pick line in for the first bit when i was in minnesota and then i had another pick line put in in january and then i i would administer antibiotics every day myself Mm -hmm. via the pick line Something you probably never thought you're going to be doing. Yeah, I mean it was pretty trippy. I mean you got this thing in your arm and you're just doing it. So, I mean, it's very, it's 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 really unfortunate what's happened. But as a person and mentally, you know, I was suffering. You know, seeing that stuff, doing that stuff every day, and you have one of two options: you either let it beat you, or you learn, you grow from it, and you're in an uncomfortable situation, and you just you just move on. You know, when you're out there racing and and in the grind every week there's fans people blowing you up hey you're you're the man you know what's it like when that kind of shuts off for a bit yeah for sure it's definitely a different world like when it shuts off i mean it's i had a lot of support like i'm really thankful i mean i had a lot of people that i don't talk to on a consistent basis promoters from different tracks in the outdoor national series that you never i've never heard from reached out and said hey man i'm just thinking about you so that definitely helped quite a bit to get through the initial stage. But obviously six months in, I'm still having pain and nothing's healed. And it gets pretty quiet. I mean, the team, the team, you know, re-signed me and supported me 100%. But you got to think from a young age, I was homeschooled. I hired a practice bike mechanic and you're paying that practice bike mechanic. You've got a team manager calling you. You've got your race bike mechanic. You know, you've got your trainer that you're you're paying for. And then all of a sudden, six months in, you ain't paying them anymore. And it gets real quiet. And all you have is your family. The people that you grew up with that didn't care who you were before you were racing a dirt bike. You know, I mean, I was fat and eating Snickers bars and ice cream cookies and and stuff in the tunnel at Millville. So those were the people that were around. So I definitely, definitely learned a lot. And it was a very eye-opening experience. 
what else were you doing during that? I, I heard you got a job at the local shop and yeah. what so, else was cooking? Yeah, I mean, it just got tough because you, you got to think, like, we retire young, right? And, like, I've never had a real—I mean, I, I, this isn't a real job, I would say, right? Like, and I think, I hope most people that are going to read this or listen to it are, would agree. You know, I mean, I wake up every day and it's for the benefit of Jeremy, Jeremy Martin and Guy Kohanda. Like, I, I get paid to train— I get paid to ride my dirt bike. I get paid to do what I love. And that in itself, some people go through life and they never find what they love, right? Or are lucky to be able to do it. Yeah, exactly. They're Yeah, so for me it was that I got a job at a dealership. I wanted to know what reality was like and to get my to get my head straight too. And, you know, I started out at the bottom and uh, you know, I was cleaning toilets and vacuuming the floor. And it's a, it was a big wake-up call, you know what I mean? And I... You know, it was the middle of winter into the spring and summer, so you don't go outside. It's cold in Minnesota, and you're sitting inside all day, and uh, you're just looking at the clock and trying to find stuff to do. Yeah, that's a lifestyle change for you. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, like, a lot of guys, like, that race dirt bikes and win and then retire super in their late 20s, they're cold turkey. They're done. It's essentially what happened to me. So I, I really learned that. You know, no matter how much money you have in the bank account or whatever, you know, like you have to wake up and you have to have a purpose. It could be small, it can be big, but you have to have a purpose because I'd wake up and I'd have coffee and I'd go to the couch and every, all my other friends and everyone else would work or they'd be serving a purpose. Whether they liked it or not, they were staying busy. What was it like when you got that news that you could get back on a bike? It was good. Yeah, for sure. Like, I I was like, yeah, doctor. Like, gave him a hug and, and everything like that. And I was like, can I, so I can ride. You mean to tell me I can ride right now? And he goes, yeah, you could ride right now. And uh, he's like, take it easy. Obviously, like, you're fully healed as good as you're going to get. You're going to have to build back into it. So I had to reduce my ego, obviously, because you got to think, like, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty, I was pretty fit at one time, and I could do some gnarly stuff or hold some gnarly volume, and, and that was all gone. You're starting from ground zero again. So I had to just, just, I'm still not quite where I was, but I'm just, I'm building. Did you ease into it, or were you hammering right from the beginning? Absolutely eased into it. I had no choice. So the biggest thing is, is for over a year and a half, I had no impact. All I did was walk. And then I had no, no twisting for a long time, so I had to twist. And then I had to be able to try to, like the first time I ran, it was a little painful, the, obviously the impact of it. So I just tried to run 15 minutes. And that's literally what, how, I wouldn't say bad off I was, but that's where I started from. And I've gotten to this point. Did it come back pretty fast or... Absolutely. Does it take a while. Absolutely. I think there's something to be said for muscle memory, and then going through what you've gone, what I've gone through, it's put a great perspective on life and everything, and I think it's lengthened my career significantly. I was gonna ask because you know being a reset, and I, I think there was plans to go to the Honda team later on. You know there was there was a plan laid out, so it it was definitely a reset. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I mean, the deal was win that outdoor championship, and then. Um, one more one more year and or of of maybe 250 supercross and then i was gonna go 450 like that was the plan mm -hmm. and uh that's all different now but i uh, for sure just lengthened my career and put a lot of things into perspective 
Well, you still have some unfinished business in Supercross, I think. Absolutely, unfinished business and want to win that Supercross championship. I mean, I've won, I think, six or seven uh, 250 Supercross mains. So uh, definitely no slouch. But, uh, yeah, definitely like to put a, a number one East Coast title there. How long was it before you went back to the Tomax? Uh, it was it was a little while. It was a little while before because, I mean, obviously, um, Eli is no slouch, you know, so I'm not going to go back there. and I didn't want to go back until I felt like I was good enough to be able to do the program and and be, be close, somewhat close to him or as far as, like, fitness-wise, running, gym, all that stuff. Yeah, what's the program like there? You know, it, it's a pretty sort of almost undercover place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could go in. I know the whole program, and I could definitely share that with you, but I'm not. <laughs> um, well, I'm not asking for details. No, but. for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think it's cool. Like, I really admire what they do in, nowadays in this world where it's so social media driven and everybody needs to kind of know everything and, and include everybody into what's going on. It's pretty cool that they're, um, they're very off the grid in a way. Yes. Is that a good way to kind of keep the expectations reasonable? Uh, I think the expectations come within yourself, right? Like everyone, everyone wakes up every day and it, it, different things drive different people, right? And for me, I don't care about the fame. I don't care about anything else. The reason why I'm back here and the, and the reason why I want to continue to race is because I want to be the best. I want to win. I started this journey a long time ago with my parents and it was just us. I'm going to, yeah, like I haven't accomplished what I want yet. I'll walk away when I'm done, you know? So I think that different things drive different people. I guess it was partly the external expectations too, because the fans think, oh, you're back. You're just going to be just like you were before. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, everything's, it's a battle. It's, I think, as you know, it's a battle every day, like just, just trying to, you know, get better and to, yeah, it's just, it's life. What do you most need to work on between now and the season? Uh, just everything, really. I mean, I need to work on the fitness. You know, I still can't quite fully open up and do a mass, um, a moto wide open yet. Just working on my my technique to be able to go fast consistently every time. And then um, just my timing, getting all the jumps down and just making it to where it's just boom, 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 boom. Still knock the rust off a little bit. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, cool, man. I appreciate the time and, and good luck this weekend. Thank you. Okay, that's it with Jeremy. It was impressive to watch him throughout the weekend in Paris. While he clearly struggled through the whoops on the first test day, he and Derek Dwyer continued to tweak his suspension settings and technique. They checked in with the technicians back home and in Australia and made a huge amount of progress. But that's why he was there in the first place, to get more time on the bike and do some racing. The two days of Triple Crown format was exactly what he was looking for. Jeremy ended up in second overall on Sunday, fourth overall for the weekend, and grabbed an amazing number of hole shots in the process. We're really looking forward to seeing how he does in the upcoming season as he returns to the 250 class on his Geico Honda. Here's a quick reminder to support companies that support us here at Vital MX. Since 1968, Thor MX has elevated motocross racewear innovation to new heights. Designed and fabricated to the standards set by a long list of supercross and motocross champions, the Thor 2020 collection features all-new performance-driven racewear, boots, helmets, and more. Go to thormx.com or visit your local Parts Unlimited dealer to learn more.
Maxxis Tires is proud to introduce the all-new Maxxcross MXST, a premier motocross tire tested and developed by the King, Jeremy McGrath. Available now at your local dealer. Chaparral Motorsports has been helping riders outfit their dirt bikes for more than 30 years. Today, Chap Moto offers professional advice, online and in-store, helping you find the best riding gear, parts, accessories, and tires for all of your power sports vehicles. Visit chapmoto.com today. That's chapmoto.com. Ready for some more bent tracing? Look for the next Inside Line soon. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the show via your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. You can also go back and listen to previous shows. If you're feeling really generous, leaving us a rating and review always helps. Thanks.